Today's scripture comes from the book of Proverbs, from various Proverbs, and you can find it in your bulletin. Uh, Please follow along as it is being read aloud. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. The way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Whoever tends a fig tree will eat its fruit, and he who guards his master will be honored. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, We are in the middle of a series going through the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs is about wisdom. And if you want to navigate life well, then Proverbs is here to uh, not only give us information, it's actually much more than that. The goal of Proverbs, as we've been saying, is to transform us into becoming wiser people. And throughout this series on Proverbs, we're kind of in a section where I thought it would be nice to look at what we're going to call the seven ways of folly. And that's actually modeling what has traditionally been called the seven deadly sins. We've already looked at pride. We've already looked at anger. And today we're going to look at the topic of laziness or uh, as it's referred to in the seven deadly sins, it's called sloth. Or as Proverbs refers to a person like this, the sluggard. According to Proverbs 15:19 it says the way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns but the path of the upright is a level highway. And if you want to live life where you're kind of traveling on a level highway and it's like a smooth ride versus walking life and there's all these thorns in your way then what Proverbs is saying is you cannot be a sluggard. I don't know about you, but I've actually never reflected or thought too much on the topic of laziness, especially as it reflects reflects our spiritual health and uh, things like that. And you know, in New York, to be honest with you, I've always thought that people in New York probably had the opposite problem of laziness. Uh, I think New York tends to have uh, a very unhealthy work culture, and uh, most people are probably overworked and very, very busy. But I think the irony is that you might be very, very busy in life, and because of your busyness, you actually also might be susceptible to being lazy because uh, if we were to define what laziness is, I think laziness is putting off the work that you are supposed to be doing or called to be doing because you don't want to do it. And so as we think about laziness, uh, we should probably try to be a little bit more nuanced about talking about laziness because I don't think it's simply confined to paid employment. We have a lot of other spheres in our lives where we have to do work. Uh, It depends on the kind of work that you ought to be doing. So some people have the work of raising children. Some people have the work of cleaning the apartment. Some people have the work of paying the bills. Uh, You can also apply work to things like your relationships, the work of building a relationship, the work of building a friendship. It can also apply to the spiritual work of things like prayer and service. You see, we are called to do a lot of different kinds of work in our lives, and even though we may be diligent in one sphere, maybe our paid employment, there is a possibility that we can be lazy in 
some of these other spheres in life. So we're going to reflect on laziness, and we're going to ask just a couple simple questions. The first question, how do you know if you are lazy? Uh, what are some of the, the characteristics of somebody, of the sluggard? Why is laziness something that is dangerous? Uh, not something that's simply an annoyance, but something that is actually harmful. And finally, we're going to look at why, how do we walk the path of the upright so that our path would be like a level highway. And so first, how do you know if you are lazy? Now, we have to be careful here because I said before, in New York, New York tends to breed a lot of workaholics. And so you might think, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to do this, but I wonder if I said, how many of you think you're lazy here? I could actually see a lot of people raising their hands because in New York, if you take a day off, it's kind of like you feel very guilty. It's like, oh, I'm being lazy because I'm taking two days off this week. But then I can also see people saying, you know, I work so much and I have so much to do that uh, there's no way I struggle with being lazy. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of nuance there. It it might not be uh, so simple. So how how do we know if uh, we're being lazy? Well, basically we're putting off the work that we should be doing. So let me give you an example. Uh, I know personally that I should be uh, doing the work of prayer. I should be doing it all the time, especially as... uh, as a pastor, as a shepherd, uh, I need to be praying for this congregation and the people in this congregation. But, you know, what happens during busier seasons when you have a lot of meetings, when a lot of family things are going on, when there's a lot of tasks to do, uh, I, can, I can easily fall into being lazy in that spiritual work. And I could be very busy. I could be doing a lot of things. I could be checking a whole bunch of things off my checklist, but I'm not doing the work that I'm supposed to be called to do. And uh, in that way, I'm probably being lazy and struggling with laziness. You know, some of you, maybe you should be uh, doing the work of like, I don't know, going grocery shopping, doing some chores, uh, cleaning the apartment, and uh, you don't want to do that work. So instead, what you do is uh, you you look up some work emails or uh, maybe you check on uh, social media or things like that. Uh, If you uh, have young children, I think this is a temptation for people with young children, but you're so tired and you're so busy all the time, and maybe there's other work to be doing, like the work of building community, but you don't want to do that work, and uh, you know it's very easy to use your children as an excuse to not to engage and do that work. I, I'm not really sure what kind of scenario applies to you because uh, we are all called to all different kinds of work, but you uh, hopefully know what I mean. It is uh, easy to probably use the fact that we are busy in order to defer the kinds of work that we should be doing. And uh, therefore, if we're doing that, then we have a problem with laziness. So how do we know if we have that problem? Well, according to the Proverbs, there's a couple things that it describes. And I'm going to be pretty brief here, but I want to list a couple things. First, we know we have a problem with laziness if we have a hard time starting our work. So you see in Proverbs 24, it says that there is this field, and the slugger hasn't maintained the field. And then it says, you see, it says uh, a little sleep a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber. Now, what is that saying here? It's saying the problem with the sluggard is the reason why you look at this field and this field is not being maintained well is because this person, this sluggard, is procrastinating. He thinks, you know, maybe I should sleep a little bit. Maybe I should rest a little bit. Maybe I should fold my hands a little bit before I actually get started with the work. And therefore, the work doesn't get done. And perhaps our version of this is going to be, uh, you know, maybe uh, let me just check my phone one more time. Let me just check my 
Twitter or Instagram or Facebook feed or whatever we do one more time. Let me just turn on the TV and watch this episode on Netflix uh, before I, I get started with the work that I'm supposed to do. And then before you know it, a great deal of time passes by and you haven't even started your work. If that is you and if that's a pattern in your life, then there's a good chance you have a problem with laziness. The second characteristic in the Proverbs is you have a hard time finishing work. So Proverbs 19.24 says, The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. Now, what does that mean? Well, in the ancient world, uh, when you were to eat your food, you you ate with your hands, you pick up the food, you dip it in some kind of dip, and then after you dip it, you bring it back to your mouth to eat it, right? And this proverb is saying that the sluggard will... You know, dip his food in the, in the dish, but it's so lazy that he won't even bring it back to his mouth to eat it, right? He's not finishing the work. And so maybe you're good at starting things. Maybe you're good at putting uh, the clothes in the, in the wash, but maybe you're not good at taking it out and folding the clothes and putting it back in the closet. Maybe you're good at starting different projects because it's exciting to start new things, but then you soon quickly lose interest and you end up not finishing it. I am pretty good, I think, at starting books, but I am not often so great at finishing them. You see, if you have a hard time finishing your work, then it could be a sign that you have a problem with laziness. The third thing we see here, you lack self-control when it comes to things like rest and things like leisure. So again, look at Proverbs 24. What is this slugger's problem? Well, he is sleeping when he should be working. Now, That doesn't mean rest is a bad thing. We are called to rest, and rest is something that we should be doing uh, in terms of our daily rhythms and habits and routines. But when there is work that has to be done for the day, you should finish that work before you rest for the day. You shouldn't rest before you finished your work or started your work. And now, um, uh, you know, if you just kind of think about the context here too, in an agrarian society, you have limited daylight. And because you have limited daylight, there's a limited time and a limited season in which you can actually get the work done. And so especially in that kind of work environment, uh, it's important to get the work done when you can, when it's daylight. Uh, That might apply to uh, our context. I'm sure there is some analog that you can find. But I think the point is, when it is time to work, you got to work. And you you can't put it off. And it needs to be complete. Uh, And if you can't complete it at the appropriate time, then perhaps you have a problem with laziness. And the last thing I'm going to list, you know, Proverbs actually lists a lot more, but I'm going to end here in terms of characteristics of the sluggard. Fourth, you you have a problem with pride. Now, Proverbs 26, 16 says, A sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Now, it's so interesting, the connection that it makes with laziness and pride. I don't know if we would always make that connection. But the proverb is saying the lazy person often has this inflated view of themselves, so much so that they won't listen to seven people. And I I think, uh, at least empirically speaking, in your experience, humble people probably tend to be more diligent in their work, whereas proud people are probably not as diligent in their work. And where can you see this? Well, uh, I think people who have a problem with laziness or people who have a problem with pride often has a, have an issue with being entitled. They feel entitled to certain things, and entitled people uh, don't feel the need to put in the work in order to earn the reward of the work that they are doing or putting in. So 
the person who uh, expects to get a promotion or a bump in salary without actually putting the work in to earn that promotion or that bump in salary probably has a problem with pride and entitlement. You know, I hear, uh, I was reading this article, and one of the frustrations that uh, college professors have now is they say students oftentimes feel entitled to get a certain grade without putting in the, the schoolwork or putting forth the effort to earn that grade. And I think what Proverbs is saying is that reflects a problem of pride. It's a self-inflated inflated view of the self. And when you have pride, you might feel entitled. And when you feel entitled, that can also oftentimes translate into laziness. Now, as I said, we could say a lot more things because Proverbs says a lot, but I want to move on here. And I want to talk about why is laziness something that is dangerous according to the Proverbs? Well, laziness is dangerous because it causes harm. It causes harm to yourself, and it causes harm to others. How does laziness bring harm to yourself? We see it in a a couple couple of these Proverbs. It says this. First, laziness causes poverty. 10.4 says, A slack hand causes poverty, and the hand of the diligent makes rich. Now, if you think about that, before I go on, I was reading this, and I was thinking, you know, is that really true all the time? And uh, we have to be reminded that what Proverbs is doing, it's not necessarily saying that this thing will ha- It's not law. It's wisdom. It's not saying that this situation is going to happen all the time. Uh, there's a place in Proverbs where it says, answer the fool. And then in the very next verse, it says, don't answer the fool. And you're kind of thinking, well, which is it? When do we answer the fool? When, we, when do we not answer the fool? And that's the point of Proverbs. You need wisdom to know uh, when to do... Um, Either And so Proverbs is not law here. It's not saying that this is something that's going to happen all the time. And so we shouldn't read it and say, well, is this true all the time? Uh, Obviously, it's not true all the time because there are plenty of people who are living in poverty, who probably work much harder than those who are affluent. There are those, uh, there's certain types of systemic things that are happening that are probably preventing people from gaining upward mobility. And I'm aware that there are exceptions to this truth and to this proverb. But with that being said, I think we can at least say that this proverb is probably generally true. Those who build their wealth and success versus uh, those who maybe inherit it or those who steal it, they often do so because they're very hardworking. They're very diligent. I think that's the narrative that you often hear from very successful people. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the show Shark Tank. I'm not a regular watcher of it, but I've seen a couple episodes. Uh, But, you know, the people on Shark Tank like Barbara Corcoran, uh, Mark Cuban, Damon John, and all these other people, they oftentimes talk about the things that made them successful. They, they refer to two things. They say failure is what made them successful, but also working really hard is what made them successful. And the kind of people that they want to invest in, is uh, it has to be more than just a good idea, but they want to see that the people who have this good idea are willing to work really hard to execute I- that idea. And, uh, you know, for certain people, working really hard translates into success and wealth, like the Proverbs is saying. Uh, I'll even speak uh, personally and empirically. You know, my parents, (coughs) many, many years ago, they immigrated here (coughs) from Korea. And they say they they came here with one suitcase and $200. uh, And they worked really, really hard. And eventually they bought a business, they owned a grocery store business, and they worked really hard, and they were able to create a good life, uh, you know, a pretty successful life, especially from the situation that they came from. So I think generally speaking, what the prophet is saying is it's, it's wise to work hard. And if you don't work hard, then generally it's not going to be good for you. 
But the second thing here is we see uh, laziness can kill you. That's what it says here. In 21, 25, the desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. And you think, doesn't that sound a little bit dramatic? It can kill you? The desire of a sluggard kills him? How? Well, I think the way it can kill you is maybe a little bit more comprehensive than just physical death, but it can kind of kill the person that you are. And I I think this is the way it can kill you. You know, there's this author named Dorothy Sayers, and she has this great quote when she's describing the sin of sloth or, or laziness. And she says this, the sin of sloth is the sin which believes in nothing, cares for nothing, seeks to know nothing, interferes with nothing, enjoys nothing, loves nothing, hates nothing, finds purpose in nothing, lives for nothing, and only remains alive because there is nothing it would die for. That's what Dorothy Sayers says. In other words, I think what she's saying is this. Laziness can kill you because it can take away the very meaning and the very purpose that ought to make you feel alive in the things that you are doing. You know what? Consumerism is a very powerful force in our culture, and uh, you know, it would be probably foolish for us to say that we haven't been shaped by consumerism as well. But you know what? Consuming things all the time is never going to be powerful enough to really give us meaning and purpose in life. Uh, if we think we ha- get this and use this and attain everything that we want, I don't think we will ultimately be happy in life because God created us to be more than consumers. He created us to be producers. He created us to work and he created us to serve and we actually find greater fulfillment and enjoyment when we are doing those things. You know, in the Garden of Eden, God tells man to work the ground and to cultivate it. And that is the original mandate. That is the original command given to humanity in creation prior to the fall, which tells us this, that working is actually not a product of sin. Working was there even in creation when creation was paradise and creation was perfect. Work was something that was central to the wholeness of humanity even before sin entered into the world. And therefore, when we live to simply consume and consume and consume, I think eventually, if that's the kind of life that we live, we find ourselves in a dark place, void of meaning, because that is not our purpose. We're actually created to work and to serve. You know, I think part of the pain of loneliness comes from the fact that um, not just that you're alone and you're not getting something from people, I think part, a big part of the pain of loneliness is you have nobody to serve, and when you have nobody to serve, uh, you feel like maybe your life lacks meaning and purpose. You see, serving others, working for others, is actually what ultimately gives us our greater meaning and purpose and makes us feel alive in this world. But you know, laziness also brings harm to other people. How so? 10.5, it says this, He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Now, uh, Tim Keller uh, points this out. I get this point from him, but there's a subtle point that's being made in this verse here. And he says, you know, notice that it doesn't say a man brings shame, but notice it says a son brings shame shame. Uh, it's, it's the family word. It's not just a, a person or a man, but it says a son brings shame. And the reason it says a son brings shame is that there is this 
communal tie. There is this family tie that is going on. You know, the ancient world operates, I think, like many Eastern cultures in that there is a strong sense of honor and shame that is tied to a wider community that is oftentimes tied to the family. Western culture tends to be very individualistic, and therefore people in the West often struggle with things like individual guilt rather than communal shame. But, you know, in ancient cultures and in uh, Eastern cultures today, you know, if a son does something very shameful, uh, he brings shame to a wider community. He brings shame to an entire family. Uh, If a son commits a crime and goes to prison, you know what happens? The the family may never want to mention that son again uh, because of the shame that the son brings to the family. And I think what this proverb is getting at here is working hard is not simply for the benefit of the individual, but it, it is also for the benefit of others. And you see, in that way, uh, I think it's a, it's a better way of understanding perhaps not only laziness, but how we approach our work and how we approach maybe even our paid vocations. Because that's ultimately how we serve others. Uh, Martin Luther says this, Uh, basically it's through our vocation that we serve uh, the community. It's basically through our vocation that God cares for his creation. He does it through our work. But you know what the problem is when we approach work is? The problem is we don't view it as service and we don't view it as caring for God's creation. We don't view it as serving community. Most of the time, our default mechanism is we view it as a means for self-fulfillment. We view it as a means for money, for status, and for all of these things that we feel like we should be deriving out of work. And, of course, that is not a bad thing. Hopefully, there should be some sense of fulfillment. Hopefully, you get paid for the work that you're doing. But if that is the primary lens through which we understand and view our work, then it is going to be much easier to be discontent with the work that we're doing. Because what oftentimes will happen is we start to complain. We complain, this person is getting paid this much, I'm doing this much, I need to be paid more. And when we don't feel like we're adequately compensated for the work that we're doing and that is all we are focused on, we're going to be discontent with the work that we're doing. When we don't feel like we're being fulfilled enough in the work that we're doing, and we say, (coughs) I put, I went to, school for this, I came to New York for this, and the work that we're doing is something that is not uh, something that we love to do, or we aren't achieving the the kind of status level that we thought we would achieve, then guess what? We start to grumble and we become discontent. Now again, I'm not saying we shouldn't think about these things, but that is not the primary lens through which God created work for. Why? Why? Well, for one, if we are discontent because our work is not doing what we want it to do, then you know what happens? I think, unless we're exceptional people, it'll probably make us lazier in our work, right? If we're super, super discontent, if we hate our jobs, if we hate our work, maybe not everybody, but uh, I'm sure the temptation is definitely there that I hate what I'm doing and I don't want to work as hard as I should be working because I'm not being properly compensated or because... Uh, I, I just hate the work that I'm doing. But, you know, I think if we view our work primarily as service, who are we serving? How are we caring for God's world? Then I think there's a possibility that we can maybe derive a little more enjoyment from it. And maybe some of us have to be a little bit more creative in thinking about who are we serving here. 
because it's not uh, a direct correlation. But I think at the end of the day, all the work that we do is service to somebody and some people benefit from the work that we are doing. That's why I actually think vocation is probably a better word to describe our work rather than something like job or something like career because vocation incorporates this idea of calling, of calling. And for people who feel like they've found their vocation and their primary focus is not on title, is not on salary, it's not on ultimately self-fulfillment, I actually think that there's a possibility that you might begin to enjoy your work more. And if you enjoy your work more, I think you become more diligent in the work that you do. Now, you are probably thinking this, right? You're probably thinking, you know what? That is not my experience of work. (laughs) Sometimes I truly hate my work. Sometimes my work is super hard. It's uh, like the myth of Sisyphus where I feel like I'm pushing this boulder up and uh, it feels like nothing is ever getting done and I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know who's benefiting from my work. I don't know who I'm serving. Uh, I want to produce like God is calling me to produce, but my work is just so hard or the people around me are so terrible that I am not producing in the way that I ought to be producing. What about that? Well, I think the Bible's answer for that is pretty simple. It's the curse of sin. You know, in Genesis 3, God tells Adam that because he disobeyed and ate of the tree, what does he say? He says, the ground will be cursed. Work will be cursed. And then he says, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. In the, next, in the very next verse, it talks about the sweat of your brow. Work is going to be hard. You're not going to produce the way that you ought to produce because sin introduced a curse into the world. And God basically says, because of sin, because of the sin of Adam, because the world is now broken, your work is going to be cursed. It's going to make it hard. And the curse means you won't be able to produce with ease. For some of you, you may not be able to produce at all. And contrary to what you might have thought, work was actually supposed to be something good. Work was supposed to be something that was enjoyable. But it's not anymore because of the curse of sin. Work has become something hard and grueling. Notice in 1519, it says, the way of the sluggard is like a a hedge of thorns. 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 The same thing, the same product of the curse in Genesis 3 in the Garden of Eden. The sluggard is living out the curse because his way is thorny. It's filled with obstacles, and that might be one of the reasons why the sluggard is lazy, because the work is too hard. And so therefore, what is the alternative? Notice that the alternative, it doesn't say the sluggard, uh, right, you have the sluggard. The alternative is not the diligent. The alternative is the upright person. How do we become like the upright, like the righteous, so that our path is a level highway? And you know what? That requires the work of another. We can't do that work on our own. God, he, he reverses this curse of sin by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to work, to do the work of redemption, to do the work of salvation. And you know, Jesus, he wouldn't simply walk the path filled with thorns, but if you remember, he would wear the thorns on his brow. He would be called to do probably the most difficult work 
because his work was to receive the curse of sin when he dies on the cross. That's what it says in Galatians 3. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. When Jesus dies on the cross, what is he doing? He's taking the curse. The original curse that was pronounced on humanity because of sin, he is taking it upon himself when he dies on the cross. He is becoming cursed for us so that we might be free from that curse. That's why at the end of our service, we have something called a benediction. And a benediction is a word of blessing. The opposite of a benediction is a malediction. Malediction is a word of curse. The reason why we have a benediction at the end of the service is because what we are saying is this, that Jesus took the malediction upon himself. And therefore, there is now only blessing for us all. Whereas a sluggard in Proverbs 24 says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, Jesus says on the cross, it is finished. It is finished. My work is finished. Salvation is secured. I've taken the curse. I've taken sin so that you might become the righteousness of God. I've become sin so that you might walk the path of the upright and experience a level highway. That is only accomplished by Christ. Now, if that, if that is true, I think that should really transform how maybe we understand and view the work that we are called to do. Why? Because I think at the very basic level, it means this. Your work no longer defines you. You know that your work is not where you're going to get your ultimate identity and your security and your comfort and your fulfillment, even your status. None of these things is going to ultimately come from your work. In fact, if you try to derive these things from your work, it's like building a house on sand. You know that the only place you will be able to derive these things is going to be through the work of Christ. And therefore, you don't have to kill yourself at work. At the same time, you don't have to be ultimately disgruntled and focus on the fact that you are not getting these things. But you can maybe begin to work on the fact that, you know, this is where God has placed me in this moment and he has called me to serve certain people for their good and for the common good. And I want to try to be faithful and diligent in it. You know, the more um, I think the gospel means something to us, I think it does produce greater freedom. And I know many of us here, we probably uh, know it in our minds. We know these things should be true. But then maybe in our life experience, uh, it's, it's hard to, to live that out. Uh, I know work is probably going to be one of the biggest sources of frustration to um, most people in this room. And again, by work, I don't mean just paid vocation, but I mean all aspects of work in all the spheres of our lives. And work is always going to produce thorns and thistles. But here's the thing. I do think if we uh, really appropriate the gospel and really believe in it and the promises of what uh, Scripture tells us in terms of what the gospel is supposed to provide for us in a very deep existential way, 
I think what will happen is you may find yourself starting to actually enjoy the work for its own sake. Work, I think, is pleasurable. It's supposed to be pleasurable. And some of us maybe have tasted it. Maybe some of you enjoy your work. If you do, that's awesome. Uh, not everybody is in that position. Uh, personally, I, uh, you know, of course I enjoy my work. Uh, and I'm going to tell you I enjoy my work, but I do enjoy my work. But there's also other kinds of work that I love to do that um, is not a paid vocation. I love building things like furniture and shelves. <laughs> I love fixing things around the house. And I derive a lot of enjoyment out of it. And, you know, that's work too. It's hard work. And afterwards I'm like sweating. But after I'm finished, I'm like, that was enjoyable. And I, I think maybe when we're not really thinking about uh, the things that American culture tells us to think about in terms of our work, there's a sense where we begin to enjoy it because it's, it's service. It's where we get purpose and fulfillment, not in terms of what it can provide for us, but in terms of how God created us and call what he calls us to do. And uh, as we can do that, as we can serve people, as we can serve community, as we can serve the common good, as we can care for God's creation, uh, we do it knowing, one, work is going to be hard because sin is in the world, but also it is possible to view work in that way because Christ has redeemed work when he took the curse of sin upon himself. So tomorrow, most of you probably aren't going to work because Memorial Day, right? <laughs> That's why so many people are here, three-day weekend. So maybe not tomorrow, but Tuesday, right? When you go into work, ask yourself this. Do, am, I, am I coming into work? Uh, who can I serve? Who am I serving today? And uh, maybe you'll enjoy your work more. Maybe not. But just try it and see what happens. Let's pray together.